Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our earnestly contending sermon series, which walks through the book of Jude. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. And the rest of us are going to, uh, to be tonight in the book of Jude, and we're going to actually be in a, a series for the next, uh, next few weeks on, uh, <clears throat> on Thursday nights. And a series entitled Earnestly Contend, Earnestly Contend for the Faith. And it's a great, uh, great book. And one of the, of course, one of the shortest books of the Bible. Uh, But it's a powerful one and one that I think will, (coughs) excuse me, will help us as we uh, we grow together. Well, how many of you have siblings? All right. You got siblings. How many of you like your siblings? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, no, don't tell on yourself. Um, <clears throat> I think if you, uh, if your home is like ours, then, uh, or maybe if you're, if you're, you were raised in a home like I was raised in, uh, then you probably really have uh, had it instilled in you, or you have instilled it in your kids to have kind of a a family pride. And by that, I mean just being proud of the family you're from. I don't know. <clears throat> maybe you didn't have this, but I know we did growing up, and, and we try to instill it in our kids of just being proud of your family, uh, you know, being proud of your siblings and proud to be, you know, for us, it's, I'm proud to be a fountain and, and things like that. It has its cons as well, but I'm proud of it, you know, and uh, just teasing, Dad. Um, but then the, the other thing you really try to instill in your kids, and we've tried to teach our kids, especially uh, being so close in age, is uh, we stand up for each other. You know, we, I try to teach Dennis and Micah that if someone's picking on your sister, you stand up for her. Doesn't mean you go and punch them in the mouth. It just, Leo would, but uh, it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you have to, have to get violent. But, uh, we, you know, in all honesty, we teach the kids that if someone says something to your sister, you say, hey, don't talk like that. If, you know, for Dennis, if somebody says something to Micah, I tell Dennis, you stand up for your brother. Don't let him get picked on. Doesn't, it doesn't mean you become a bully. It just means you stand up for your, he's, he's blood. Man, family lasts forever, doesn't it? You know, family, they say blood's thicker than water, and that's a true statement, that families matter. And uh, you look at this idea of standing up for the family. Man, if you see someone mistreating your family, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna, and this is what we teach our kids, you're gonna encourage your family and then stand up for them. And again, not in a jerkish way, but just a, that's my sister, that's my brother. You're not gonna, you're not gonna make fun of them, you know? And I remember one time, Growing up, I, I thought that I <clears throat> could really stand up for my sisters. And, uh, you know, of course, I, I joke about them often, and I love them for the most part. But uh, I remember, you know, of course, Dina, she's eight years older than me, and Dawn is 11 years older than me. And I remember one time, uh, I think it was Dawn was going out. I mean, no, it was Dina. Dina was going out on a date. And, uh, you know, I, was, I think I was maybe nine, and Dina was was 17 or something like that. Maybe I was 10, she's 18. And I remember she's going out on this date and of course it was just a friend date and, and the guy came to the door and my mom was there and uh, she had a baseball bat. Dad remembers it. She had a baseball bat and the young man came to the door and uh, he, he opened the door and my mom just looked at him. She called him by name. I think his name was Ray maybe. Was it Ray Sanchez? That sounds... And Ray, she said, Ray, you're taking Dina on a date tonight. If she comes back and even so much as 
Where was it Don? She's going out. Oh, Don, you're taking Don on a date tonight. If he, she comes back with even as much as one hair from her head missing, your life as you know it will no longer be as you know it. You know, something like that. And I thought, yeah. Yeah, where's my baseball bat? You know, I remember that night. I think that night she's a few minutes late, you know, or something like that. And I, I remember, mom, what are we gonna do? I've got your back, you know. Here I was, and I was like six. If it was Dawn, I was six when she was 17. And so, you know, that family problem, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a six-year-old. I'm gonna beat up that 19-year-old. He took my sister out. He's about to be on the floor. It's two hits, my fist to his face, and him in the floor. That's what it's gonna be. <clears throat> I joke about it, but you know, the truth is, if you were raised in a family like that, or even in, in your family now, you wanna have a sense of being able to say, hey, you should stand up for your family. I remember when people would threaten, you know, make fun of my dad or something. I'd say, that's my dad. You're not gonna make fun of him. Make fun of my mom. All right, a little bit, but not too much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I do. That's my area, not yours, you know. And, and the truth is, you're gonna stand up. You're gonna stand up for your family because you love them. You're gonna stand up for them because they mean something. Gonna stand up for them because it's probably been ingrained in you to just stand up for the family. As you come to the book of Jude, I really think that that's kind of the sentiment that Jude has. Not stand up for your physical family. The sentiment behind the entire book of Jude, we're gonna take the next four weeks, just the next four Thursdays and study this out, but the whole sentiment behind it is, hey, you should stand up for your spiritual family. You should stand up for your father and stand up for your family and what you believe. You need to stand up for it. Because the truth is, there's enemies out there and adversity is coming. And you've got to choose what side you're on. And so as we come to the, the book of Jude in these first few verses, we're going to be challenged just in this idea of standing up for the family. If you go to the book of Jude, of course, the author of the book is Jude. Good job. Good guess. All right. It's not Judy. It's Jude. All right. And uh, my mom claims this book. But uh, Brian asked me if I was going to call the title the, the, title of the series uh, Hey, Mr. Jude, or something like that. You know what you said? Hey, Jude. Hey, Jude. Yeah. I'm not going to say what it is, Craig. I, I don't listen to that, Craig. I, you, you do? I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but as you come, Jude wrote the book. Jude is the uh, half-brother of, or excuse me, he's the brother of James. All right, brother of James, who wrote the book of James. But James was the half-brother of who? Jesus. So that makes Jude a half-brother of who? Jesus. So as we come to this, Jude is actually a half-brother of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. So he's another son of, of Mary and, and Joseph. And as you go to it and you, you understand some things about Jude uh, and you go and research some things in Scripture, we know from, from the Word of God that the brothers of Christ, the family of Jesus, uh, beside Joseph and Mary, uh, his family didn't even believe that he was the Messiah until after the resurrection. The Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, that, uh, that after the resurrection is when James trusted Christ. And then we would know from Acts chapter 1 and verse number 14 that all the brethren of Jesus trusted Christ. So all of his brothers, including Jude, would have trusted Jesus after uh, the resurrection of Christ. And so Jude, he's the author of the book. But the question then is, why is he writing it? And who is he writing it to? Well, he answers that for us, and we'll, we'll see that in a little bit tonight. But just in short, Jude is kind of writing 
to early believers the same group of people that Peter wrote to. All right, Peter, the book of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter says to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, or James writes to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting my brother, that's what James wrote. Peter, he says, I'm writing to all the beloved, I'm writing to all of the believers who have come to know Christ since the resurrection. All right, that's who Peter is writing to. So Jude, he's writing to the same group, and we'll see that in just a second. But what he's writing to them about is he's writing to them about standing up for the faith of Christ. That's what the whole book of Jude is about. Stand up for the faith that you've been given. Stand up for your spiritual family. He's writing to warn his readers that there's gonna come a time when apostates are gonna come or enemies of the cross, enemies of Christ are gonna come. And he writes, you've already read about this because before Peter wrote to you. Okay, now before we read our passage for the night, look at, look at verse number uh, 17. Look at what Jude writes. He says, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Well, you wanna know who wrote that? Peter and Paul. They were the two who wrote about that. So Jude is writing to that same audience. He's writing uh, to warn them. You know what Jude wanted to write them about? He wanted to write to them about salvation. He wanted to write to him about the joy of salvation, but the Holy Spirit of God redirected him to write this warning that you need to stand for the family. And so that's the warning we're gonna look at tonight and just kind of understand the, the context of the book of Jude and then study this out for the next few weeks. So let's stand together and let's read the first four verses. <clears throat> the first four verses of our passage, Jude and chapter Jude, because there are no chapters, it's just one. Jude, verse number one, it says this, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. As Jude writes to them, he, he kind of gives them this thought, verse number three, I wanted to write to you about common salvation, man, the joy of what we have in Jesus, but it's needful to write unto you to stand for the family Contend for the faith because there's enemies that have crept in unaware. Tonight, let's be challenged about that contending for the faith. Let's pray and then we'll get into our study tonight. Lord, thank you for the word of God. And Lord, I pray that you'd come and, and meet with us tonight. And Lord, that you'd help us to understand your word. And God, that we'd understand how it applies to us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to leave with a desire to stand for the truth that we have. And Lord, I pray that you'd just speak to our hearts tonight. If there's someone here that does not know that they have Jesus Christ in their life, I pray that tonight would be the night that they get that settled. And then, Lord, that you'd just be glorified through the evening. We love you. We thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. As Jude wanted to write 
to these believers about their salvation and the joys that it had. They, uh, he, he says, but instead it's needful for me to write unto you about contending for the faith. He writes this warning that apostasy is gonna come, and so you need to stand with the family. And so for the next few Thursdays, I want us to notice this, but tonight, I want you to take your Bible and first of all, take, uh, take some time with me to see that Jude reminds his readers of what I'm calling, number one, an undeserved eternity. He takes time to remind his readers about an undeserved eternity. Notice, if you would, verses one and verse number two. Verse one and two, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. In the passage, Jude, like many other writers of the New Testament and places in scripture, uh, he takes time to introduce himself, takes time to kind of say who he is writing, who is writing the book, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. But then he also takes time to connect himself with the reader. All right, here's why I'm writing to you and here's how we are on the same page. Here's how I, number one, kind of have the authority to write to you. But then number two, why I'm writing to you about a certain area. And you say, what's the common denominator between Jude and his readers? The common denominator is they belong to Christ. They have salvation. They've trusted Christ as Savior. And of, of course, that link is their common relationship or their common salvation. Verse number one, he's saying, I am Jude, the servant of Christ, and I'm writing to these people. It's a group of people, all of them defined by, uh, or, or excuse me, one group of, of people and defined a few different ways. He says, first of all, I'm writing to those who are sanctified, to the sanctified. The word sanctified in the passage here, it means to be set apart as holy. He's referring to everyone that's saved. Hey, I'm writing to anybody who knows Christ. I'm writing to anybody who has called upon the name of Jesus because you have been sanctified. You have been set apart because of salvation. You've been set apart, notice the phrase, sanctified by God the Father. Hey, God has set you apart. Because you trusted in Jesus, God set you apart. So that's who I'm writing to. I'm writing to those who are sanctified, those who have trusted God and been made right with him. Who else is he writing to? Well, he's writing to the preserved. All right, the preserved in this passage, they're, not only are God's children set apart, but they're also preserved. The word preserved, it means carefully watched or guarded. So I'm writing to those of you that you're not only saved, but you're carefully watched and carefully guarded. It's not a different group, it's the same group. He says you're saved, you're sanctified, but you're also preserved. And the believer, a follower of Jesus, we're secure in Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that? That's what he's writing about. Hey, listen. Listen, once you trusted Christ, you're preserved. You're carefully, set, you're carefully guarded. Jesus would say it this way in John uh, chapter, I took the verses out. They are not there. Don't even look at it. John chapter 10. Look at John 10, verse 28 and 29. You can turn if you want or you can just listen. Jesus said this, I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. Here's what, here's what, John, or what Jesus said. He said, hey, listen, when you trusted me, you were put inside of my hand, and then my hand was put inside of the Father's hand, and nothing will, will pluck you out. Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter number eight, that I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. 
You know what that, you know what Jude's saying? Just what Paul said, you're preserved and you're secure in Christ. Isn't it good to know you can never lose your salvation? Can I tell you tonight that there's a lot of churches out there and a lot of uh, false teachers out there that will say, no, no, no. You have to maintain your own salvation. You have to keep your own salvation. And if you're not perfect, you can't stay saved. That'd be a big bummer. Because how many of you trusted Christ years ago and you've sinned since then? Yeah. Hey, you've sinned since then, haven't you? Someone's like, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. I have never sinned. Well, repent, because you just, what is it, Craig? Yeah. That's right, men's retreat three years ago. Gotta remember that. Man, you know what? I'm thankful that I'm secure in him. I can't lose that salvation. It doesn't say it come and go, it comes and goes. I don't have to get saved again and again and again and again. No, I, how many times did Jesus die on the cross for me? Once. How many times do I need to accept him? Once. Now, one time. That's what, that's what Jude's writing about. That's who he's writing to. Hey, you're sanctified. Hey, you're preserved. Notice number three, he's writing to the called. He's writing to the called. I want you to notice, if you will, <clears throat> when you look at this verse, it says those that are sanctified by the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. The word called in this passage, it means specifically to be invited into. To be invited into. You know what's great about our God is God doesn't just accept us and then leave us on the outside. God accepts us and then invites us into a daily relationship with him. There's some religions that teach that when you trust Christ as Savior that God kind of says, okay, now, now you're part of, you know, you're my child, but you're kind of on, on the outside looking in. You don't have access to God unless you get these certain qualifications. But the truth is that once you receive Christ, you and I, we are invited into daily fellowship with him. That's that word called. You're invited into, you're accepted completely. You are brought in as an adopted child. Man, Paul wrote that in Romans chapter eight, didn't he? That we haven't received the spirit of fear, but we've received the spirit of the adoption, the adoption of a, of a child. And I'm so thankful to know that I'm not brought in as a stepchild. I'm brought in as an adopted child. There's a difference. Some of you have stepchildren and some of you might have been stepchildren. And I'm not saying anything negative about that, but there's a difference. Adoption says you belong to me. I, I own, you take on my name and I accept full responsibility for you. Man, that's what Jesus Christ did for us. That's what God did for us. And so Paul said, or Jude says, I'm writing to those who are sanctified, you're saved, and your salvation is preserved, and you've been invited into the family of God. Notice letter D right there. He also writes to those who are the blessed. To those who are the blessed. Notice verse number two. Jude says this, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. You know what, because of the salvation that is shared, because of this fact that their Jude is writing, hey, I'm saved and you guys are saved, he's also saying you're under the mercy and peace and love of Christ. And it's kind of a little prayer in there. I'm praying that it would be multiplied. I'm praying that it would increase. Like the apostle Peter, Jude, he wanted those special blessings to be multiplied in their lives. You see, because once you get saved, God in his mercy, he doesn't give you what you deserve. 
Once you get saved because of the work of the cross of Jesus, you and I, we're brought into peace with God and we can have the peace of God in our lives. And because of that cross and because of that peace, we now, Romans, 8, 15, or Romans 5, 5, we can experience the love of God. And so really, if you look at these verses, just verse one down through verse number two, uh, Paul, or excuse me, I'm gonna keep saying Paul all night. Uh, Jude is writing, and he's writing about this undeserved eternity. Hey, listen, once you trusted Jesus, everything changed. That's what he's writing to him. Hey, I'm writing to those of you that are sanctified and you're kept in the Father's hand and you're secure and you are invited into fellowship with God. You have mercy in your life and peace and love and I'm praying it'll be multiplied, but I'm writing to you. I have the same thing. I love how he opens the book because he's certainly kind of highlighting a unique position, isn't he? You see, that's the biggest difference between biblical Christianity and other religions of the world. Because biblical Christianity says you and I have access and fellowship with God completely. It's done because of the cross. But religion says you have to maintain it or do something for it. You know what Jude is writing about? He's just saying, hey, listen, I wanna bring this common denominator between all of us that we have an undeserved eternity. Man, we have an undeserved relationship with God. We'll spend eternity with him. We have fellowship with him. We're preserved in him. We're blessed by him. And we share this undeserved eternity awaiting for, for us all because, excuse me, for us, all because of Jesus Christ. And so that's who he's writing to, this group who share with him this undeserved eternity. Well, what's he writing about? I see this in verse number four, number two. He's writing about what I would call an unexpected enemy. Really, the book of Jude is about this unexpected enemy. Notice verse number four. Verse four, he says this, for there are, crept, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. What's Jude doing? Well, he's reminding the believer of this, and I love the quote. He's reminding the believer that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. Hey, listen, there are certain men crept in unawares. What are these men? They're, a, they're an enemy, and they're an unexpected enemy. You say, why are they unexpected? Because they've crept in unaware. Oh, they're not unaware, but the believer's unaware. They've crept in unawares. They're, it's somebody that I'd say, oh, no, I, boy, I didn't think they. It's something that I'd say, oh, man, I, I didn't think that would steal my devotion away from the Lord. It's, a, it's an apostate. It's an enemy of God that's trying to ruin the relationship of the believer and their God. That's what Jude is writing about. He's saying, hey, there's people among you. There are things among you who will try to steer you away from a close relationship with the Lord. But it's not an enemy that's easily identified. No, it's an enemy that's come in and the believer's been unaware of them. All right, so how do we, how do we, how do we identify who these enemies are? Well, he says, first of all, you can, you can see that they're ungodly. They're ungodly. You look at it, he says in verse number four, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. They're ungodly men. 
The phrase ungodly men or ungodly, it's actually one of Jude's favorite words that you'll find in the book. If you were to go to verse number 15 in this uh, lesson we'll hear in two weeks, it says to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He likes that word ungodly. He's saying, hey, they are anti-God. That's the word ungodly. It means not associated with God. So he's saying to his readers, there are certain people who maybe they claim to belong to God, but they are in fact ungodly in their thinking and their living. Their words do not match their lifestyle. They have a form of godliness, but they lack true Christianity. Paul would write it this way in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 5. He said that there's going to be folks who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Hey, they seem godly on the outside, but the life doesn't match up. They, they kind of, or the heart doesn't match up. Maybe they say they're godly, but the words and the life don't match. And so that's this group, ungodliness. All right, what else does he say? He says they're deceitful. This group is deceitful. He says this because they've crept in unawares. They haven't come in with a big sign that says, I'm an apostate. They haven't come in with a big thing that says, I'm an enemy of God. Haven't come in with a big thing that says, I'm against things that are godly. No, they've crept in. The word crept, the Greek word for it, it means to slip in secretly or to steal in undercover like a spy, to go in undercover. That's what these folks are. Well, how could false Christians get into true churches? Well, a lot of times, and I'll tell you this, a lot of times enemies of God aren't just people. Things can be enemies of God to steal your attention away. We're gonna see this in just a second. But I believe that an enemy of God is anything that wants to steal your attention from God can be a person or a thing. It can, be, it can be a struggle. It can be a sin. Anything trying to steal it away. But it says they've crept in unawares. How are they crept in unawares? I believe that one of the points or one of the thoughts could be it's because God's people have kind of fallen asleep. Kind of become, like we preached on Sunday morning, kind of become comfortable. Isn't that when sin attacks your life? You let your guard down a little bit. Isn't that when bitterness creeps into your heart is when you just kind of slack back a little bit? So Jude's writing, he's saying, hey, there's been a carelessness among you and these folks have deceived you. And so Jude, he kind of blows the trumpet. You need to wake up. They're coming in. They're ungodly, they're deceitful. He says also they're enemies of God's grace. They're enemies of God's grace. We see this and the fourth part of that verse when it says, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. That turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, it, it means that the word lasciviousness, it means simply wantonness or absence of moral restraint or indecency. A person who's lascivious is only thinking about satisfying the flesh. So, what is, how, how, do you, how can you turn the grace of God into only satisfying the flesh? Well, these folks are abusers of grace. Now, there's two extremes. 
Two extremes of abusers of grace. On the one hand, there are people who abuse grace by saying, since I'm under grace, I can live however I wanna live. I can say whatever I wanna say, go wherever I wanna go, do whatever I wanna do. I can, I, and I have, I'm under grace. I can do whatever. That's the one extreme. Now remember, these are extremes. The other extreme are those who abuse grace by trying to make everybody else fit their box of grace. These would be like the Pharisees. The Pharisees said, well, no, we're under the grace of God and because of that, we have to live within these parameters and this box and if you don't fit in this box, then you're outside of God's grace. What, what are they doing? What are both extremes doing? They're turning the grace of God into pleasing self, lasciviousness. That's what they're doing. All right, so how do I identify these enemies? Well, they're gonna be number one, ungodly. Number two, deceitful. Number three, they're enemies of God's grace because they're abusing it. Number four, they're, they're actually denying God's truth. They've denied God's truth. Notice what it says. Verse number four again, it says, they den and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, they're denying, what he's saying in these thoughts, they're denying the deity of Jesus. They're denying that God is Lord and Jesus is Lord. They're denying that. These would be folks of false teachers that say, well, Jesus was a great teacher, he's a good man, but he wasn't eternal God. I'm not gonna preach on this because we talked about it two weeks ago on our Sunday morning of Emmanuel, God with us, and just understanding that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. He is God in the flesh. He is a sinless man because he's a perfect God. That's what Jesus is. Well, these enemies of truth they're gonna deny that doctrine. And can I just tell you this morning or this evening that anyone who denies the doctrine that Jesus is God, it's false. And that's what, that's what Jude is writing. If they deny the deity of Christ, something's missing. <laughs> and it's false. So he's saying about these people, hey, there's gonna be certain folks, they're ungodly, they're deceitful, they're enemies of God's grace, they're deniers of God's truth. And he says, also, you need to know, fifthly, letter E right there, that they're ordained to judgment. This is the very first part of it. He says, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Jude does not write that they were ordained to become apostate. He doesn't write, hey, God chose them to be enemies. He's simply saying, hey, because they chose to be enemies, there's a coming judgment for them. And that's, a, that's a, a good thing for a child of God to remember because I don't know if you're like some of the authors of the Bible, I know I am, in the sense that there's times when I question, like, God, when are they gonna get their comeuppance? You know, God, I'm watching I'm watching so-and-so and this so-and-so and this, you know, this movie star, or this person blasphemed God, or this person talk against God, or I don't know if you heard on, on one of the news networks this week, someone mocking Noah's Ark and saying, if you believe in a fairy tale, then we know that you're a conservative because you believe in Noah's Ark. And and they talk about that and just blast bi biblical thinking. 
And I heard that, man, I just, you look at something like that and you think, man, God, why don't you just strike them down right now? Yeah, they need some whooping. That's right, Leo. Man, just send Leo to their office, you know, take care of it. You know what? In the scripture, there's a lot of times that David was like, God, when are the ungodly gonna get it? Well, for a believer, it's good for us to know that, hey, God knows. He's keeping track of it. He says, they're gonna, they're gonna get it. Don't worry about it. Now, do we need to pray they get it? No. No, but we need to know that judgment comes. However, we're gonna see in two weeks that judgment comes for the righteous too. Right? Every one of us. Every one of us are gonna stand before God. Now, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not gonna stand before God to see if you're going into heaven or not. You're gonna stand before God to see how you stewarded your life. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're gonna stand before God and your life's gonna be judged. Oh, well, hopefully my good will outweigh the bad because then I can go into heaven. Nope, that's not how it works. Your life's gonna be judged on one decision. <laughs> Did you accept me as your Savior? No. I'm sorry. Depart from me, ye that knew iniquity. I never knew you because you never knew me. And what a sad day. So they're ordained to judgment. They've denied Jesus and their people or things who are, who are already called into condemnation. It's coming their way. So they're ungodly, they're deceitful, they're enemies of God, they've denied God's truth, they were ordained to judgment. And they're, can I tell you that if they were there then, if enemies of God were around when Jude wrote, they're around now. They're still people used by the devil to draw believers away from their fellowship with the Lord. And I would add, there are still people and things used by the devil to draw believers away from their relationship with God. Of course, <clears throat> I think there are a lot of people under the quote-unquote guise of religion, title of religion. There's false religions that steal away true believers. I meet them all the time. I'm out door knocking or, or maybe out in the community and telling, talking to someone about the Lord. They say, oh yeah, yeah, no, I know Jesus is my savior. And they give me a good, solid uh, testimony of being saved. And then I ask them about maybe going to church. They say, oh, well, you know, I started out at such and such, you know, Bible, uh, maybe a Christian church or a, a Bible church of some sort or a Baptist church, whatever the case may be. And they go, but you know, now I'm, and they'll tell me some religion. And I'm thinking, well, why are you that religion? Why, why are you that religion? And they'll say, well, it's just because, you know, I began doing some research and it, it kind of made sense that, that it's Jesus and, and they'll go down the road of, well, it's Jesus and something else. You know, what happened is a religion got a hold of someone who truly was saved and got them away from God. It was something that caused them to turn away. That in and of itself was apostate, an enemy of God. But can I tell you that just as religion can steal someone away from God, things can steal you and I away from God. You see, a message like this tonight, what we're gonna see in just a second as we wrap things up, a message like this tonight, we need to understand that oftentimes when we say, yep, apostasy, apostasy is out there, apostates are out there, enemies are out there, and I'm gonna always be aware of an enemy within my church, and I'm gonna be aware of false doctrine being taught within the church. Should we be aware of those things? Yes. Should we be on guard about those things? Yes. But I believe that all too often, 
The devil knows that we're waiting for some false teacher to walk in the back and to stand up during a service and to say, Pastor, you're not preaching the word. You've got to get baptized to go to saved and then to go to heaven and 10 people are going to stand up and say, no, that's apostasy and we're aware of this. But I think that the devil creeps in by stealing away your time. The devil comes in and he allows your job to become more important to you than God. The devil comes in and he allows a friendship to interrupt your fellowship with God. Can I say that all of those things, oh, the person may not be apostate, but those things are because they're dividing your attention from where it should be. This is what Jude is writing about. Oh, in our passage, I understand the context. He's specifically writing about people within the churches of that day. And there are people still to this day, and we've had them here. We've had them at our church that I've had to confront people and say, you're not gonna teach that here. You're not gonna, we're not doing that. We don't believe that. Well, then I'm going somewhere else. I think that might be best because I don't believe that you have to get baptized to go to heaven. I don't believe you have to obey this to go to heaven. I don't believe that you have to have this preference to go to heaven and be right with God. Well, I don't, I don't, I can't believe you believe that. Well, I just like to believe what's called the Bible. This is what we like to call the right way. Sorry, as a movie quote. You know what? Listen, we need to understand that sometimes the enemies of God are not just people. And Jude's writing about that. He's saying, hey, you gotta be on guard. So what are we supposed to do? And this is where Jude helps us understand. Don't fall asleep in your faith. Instead, you need to, we need to receive what he gives us is this urgent exhortation. Man, this urgent exhortation Look with me at verse number three. He says, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, that thought, he's saying, hey, listen, I put a lot of thought to it and I was gonna write to you about our salvation, the common salvation that we have. That's where I was going. But while I was writing, I changed my subject because it's needful for me to write to you about this and to exhort you about something. Well, Jude, what is it? It's needful. It's urgent. It's, it's needed for me to write to you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. The word faith here, it refers to the body of doctrine or the body of truth that has been passed down. Earnestly contend for the truths that you've been given in the word of God, the truths that you've been given from the apostles, the truths that Jesus gave to them and they have given to us. He says, you need to earnestly contend for that. And this is, I want you to understand, this is the faith, this is the doctrine. Paul, he admonished Timothy and Titus to make sure that they taught sound doctrine or healthy doctrine and be a part of a church that promotes spiritual doctrine and, and that uh, rooted doctrine. But we need to understand this isn't talking about little preferences. It's talking about doctrines. Because there's gonna be preferences that people disagree on. You say, what do you mean by preferences? I don't know, like the color of the window curtains. That's a preference. Someone might say, well, I don't really like this kind of grayish off-white. We should do brown. Someone else says, why? I think we should do bright orange. 
Someone says, pastor, we need to do lime green and blue. That's Seahawks colors. We gotta do that. Gordon would say amen. You know what those are? Those are preferences. Well, in our family, in our family, we believe that you should watch these TV shows. Well, in our family, we believe you shouldn't. That's a preference. Well, we believe that you should wear this or not wear this. It's preference. Now, if someone comes in and they say, well, I believe that a person can't be saved if they haven't partaken of the Lord's table. Okay, you know what? That's attacking doctrine, the doctrine of salvation. Well, I believe that a person can be baptized by being sprinkled. Nope, that's, that's doctrine. Baptism is by immersion only. Well, I believe that we don't have the entire word of God. No, nope, no, nope, I think that's a doctrine, that we do have the word of God. Now, I want you to understand something. There's people that will get out there and they'll say, no, here's preferences that are doctrine. No, 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 those are preferences. That's not what Jude is addressing. Jude is addressing doctrine because it's okay to disagree on some preferences. You know, my dad has pastored for 40 years and did you know that him and I, we have preferences that we disagree on? Yeah, how'd you know, Craig? Did he talk to you? He called you? Man, but you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that my dad and I both, and, and we talked about this years ago. We both understand that those things are preferences. Man, the common denominator is the faith of Jesus Christ, the local church moving forward, the baptism of the believer. Those are doctrines. And so as Jude writes, he's saying, hey, listen, <coughs> you need to stand for the faith, the doctrine that was delivered to you been passed down through the ages. The word delivered, it means to be entrusted with. I love what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. He says, we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. Paul said, listen, we've been put in trust. This has been something that has been entrusted to me and to you to pass on to someone else. And can I tell you this more this evening that you and I, we would not have the, the word of God and we wouldn't have the truth of the, of the faith and the doctrines. We wouldn't have these things unless someone stood for them. I think right now about the many martyrs who died. You go through, if you go through our, our uh, uh, starting point class, we talk a lot about Baptist history and one of the lessons and really it's just Bible history is what we go through and, and we see number of people who died for the word of God and, and talk about that book, the Fox's Book of Martyrs or, or uh, the old book, uh, Purified Seven Times. Don't agree with all the teaching of it but in tons of stories in it and, and all of that. Oh, what do those books do? They just recount. Hey, there was so-and-so and they died for the faith. Hey, there was so-and-so, they were burnt at the stake. Hey, there was this person and they were thrown off a cliff. Hey, there was this group of believers that were driven up a hill and thrown off the mountains, men, women, and children. Why? All because they believed in Jesus Christ. You know what they did? They stood for something. They contended for the faith. They stood up and said, no, we're not gonna bow down to Nero. No, we're not gonna bow down to a false king. No, we're gonna stand and you can do whatever you want, but we're gonna stand strong in our faith. You know what that is? That's called contending. Contending for the faith. 
One man said it this way, that the church is always one generation away from extinction. It's one generation away from a group not contending for the faith. Now, I'm thankful that Jesus said the church will continue, right? Matthew chapter 16, he said the gates of hell will not prevail. It's gonna continue forward. But do you know how it continues? It continues when believers stand for the faith. And can I tell you, and I appreciate this, that you can contend for the faith without being contentious with the faith. I know some people out there, and, and some of them are preachers, and I, I get saddened by it. Man, they're always ready for a good argument, always ready for a good fight. Uh, you know, you do this social media stuff and maybe have Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or what else is there, Brian? I don't know. Anyway, you know what there is if you have it, but you know what? There's some, some pastors that I've followed. You know, you, you follow or read their, their articles or their posts, what they put online, and there's some of them, Brother Craig, I've had to say, I'm done following that one. Because every time he puts something out there, it's just picking a fight. Well, bless God, I this. Well, bless God, I that. I, I'll tell you one of them. Not the pastor, but I'll tell you what they said. This last week, uh, that shooting on Sunday. Remember that? Uh, that shooting at that church on Sunday. And man, praise the Lord for armed guards, and armed security. I'm thankful for the men in our church that, that do security and thankful for that. But this, if you didn't hear about it, a shooter walked into a church, you know, was in a church service and stood up and started walking towards the back. And when he got towards the back, one of the men saw that he had a gun and stood up and drew. And that guy put the gun up real quick and shot, shot that man in the chest and killed him and turned and shot another shot towards somebody, injured him. But from about 50 feet away, a shooting range instructor who was the lead security guy pulled his gun and about 50 feet Shot him right in the head. One, one shot and dropped him. Now, we look at that and we'd say, man, man, praise the Lord. I, man, I'm so thankful. Listen, I'm thankful only one person, I'm not thankful one person was killed. I'm thankful it stopped there. It could have been, a, it could have been like that other shooting a couple years ago or the movie theater or school shootings that we hear about where 15 or 20 people are shot and killed. So that happened this week. You know what I read on Monday morning? I read a pastor who put on there, Bless God, the man would have never gotten our church. Well, I, we always identify them early. We do this, we do that. You know what I was like? Grow up. And I'm not trying to be mean. I was just like, really? You know what, that's not, that's, not being con that's not contending for the faith. That's being contentious with the faith. You know, that's me saying, well, uh, 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 you know, I've got a better way of doing it than you. That's turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, right? Pleasing self. Now, again, I'm not trying to call a person out and I'm not even gonna say who it was or I don't, I don't even remember. I, I, think, I think I remember who it was, but no, I'm not gonna say it. You know why? Because we're called to contend for the faith, not be contentious with it. But you know at the workplace, you can contend for the faith and not be contentious with it. Well, how? It's easy. Put a smile on your face and speak the truth in love. Just be kind. Well, that's just not my personality. Make it your personality. Change. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in you. Now, are there times when we need to stand firm? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've told the story years ago, a number of years ago, we had a man that 
was coming to the church and he was spreading some gossip in the church about me and talking about me and passing letters out about me and, and about how ungodly I was because of having different because of having TV screens on the walls, you know, that made made our church unspirit and yet he still came. And I remember he wouldn't shake my hand. And so I'd go to him and go to shake his hand, wouldn't shake my hand. He wouldn't shake Hannah's hand. And one time I went up, he used to sit over here and I went up, shake his hand and he wouldn't shake it and I just kind of looked at him, I kind of grabbed his arm and grabbed his hand. I pulled him real close during handshaking time and I turned myself where no one else could see and I said, you're gonna stop acting like a two-year-old and if you're not gonna stop acting like a two-year-old, I think you need to find somewhere else and I wasn't trying to be mean but I was being firm and you know what? He went somewhere else and you know what happened in our church? We just kept moving forward. You say, Pastor, you sound kind of mean. No. No, I'm saying there are times when we stand firm, but there should be times where we're staying, just saying, you know what, I'm not gonna be a jerk about this. I'm just gonna stand. Now let me bring it down and, and give you one thought, and that's just this. I just wanna challenge you to contend for the faith. I don't wanna say contend for the faith in the sense of let's all have our, let's have our uh, uh, antennas up and let's be tuned in. Man, who's walking in? Oh, Danny, he said something that I don't agree with. Danny, calling you out. Let's get him. Not talking about that. I'm talking just simply about this, that there's gonna be things, are you listening to me? There's gonna be things that try to steal your attention away from God. Stand against it. There's gonna be things that try to direct you and I because those things are apostate, enemy of God. It could be a sin. It could be a website. It could be an online preacher. It could be a online, it could be a news radio person. It could be an individual in your life. It could be someone that walks in through the doors. It could be something. It's apostate. It's an enemy of God trying to draw you away. So here's the challenge. Contend for the faith. Man, stand for the faith. Stand for your family. Stand for the Father and stand with his family. And so I wanna encourage you with this tonight that the devil would love nothing more in 2020 than to steal your attention away from God through some apostate thing. Don't let him do it. Compare everything to the word of God. Everything you hear, everything you, you read. What's the word of God say about that? That's why in our church, as, as long as I'm pastor, you know what we're gonna say? Open your Bible to such and such place. Well, why? That way you see it for yourself. We go to Jude. I'm not gonna say, this is what this is saying. And you not go, I don't think that matches up. Because we're gonna say, let's open the Bible. Let's just go to the word of God. Why? Because the word of God tells me where to stand, tells me how to stand, and tells me who I should stand against. And so I just wanna encourage you, stand for the Father. Stand with his family. Contend for the faith. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.